and welcome to State of Crime. One state, two crimes. I messed it up. <laughs> I did that in honor of Cassandra, who got on our page and gave us a whole bunch of grief about it and made some really, really awesome artwork for us as well. So you guys should check that out. So big shout out to Cassandra. And then um, we also have to give a shout out to Cheryl because she has been lobbying hard for us to <laughs> pay more attention to Florida. So we're, we might be... Uh, Adding a little Florida blurb at least once a week yeah. on here. So speaking of, so sorry, Cheryl, haven't sent your sticker yet. Oh, <laughs> so Cassandra needs one too, by the way. Mm -hmm. Yes. So how have you been? It's been a week. Has it? Yeah. The I have been. I feel like every week for several weeks now, I've said basically the same thing. At this point, I've been coming home from work basically curling up in the fetal position in my favorite chair and just watching Chip and Joanna Gaines and having fantasies that they will adopt me someday. So, Well, I, <laughs> I actually had a fairly good week, but, you know, you got to realize, I feel like I should have known yesterday, waking up in a fantastic mood that something was going to go wrong. And it did. So yesterday was a pretty rough day. I'm sorry. but Do you want to talk about what happened or is that for... I mean... I know a couple of whoever's friends with me on Facebook who is also following the podcast has probably seen. We lost one of our dogs yesterday. Oh, I did see that. Yeah. yeah. So it's I'm been so it's been rough. Yeah. But getting through I'm it. Very, very sorry. We as humans do not deserve the love of animals. We really don't. We don't. We're not worthy. Mm -mm. But well, that is very true. Dogs. Cats are kind of. Hey, watch it. My cat loves me yeah. so much. So. <laughs> but it's been a well, it's been a rough week, but I'm sorry, it's the end of it now. We're gonna start fresh. All Hopefully, right. it's gonna get better. Yeah, think about the Rainbow Bridge. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't even know how to segue from that. So, <laughs> way to be a downer on the whole I thing. Know. Go me. <laughs> well, this week's case is also gonna really, really make you angry. Um, my cases. I look forward to that. Yeah, I hope so. So this is uh, North Carolina. This week, and I'm doing a piece of garbage <laughs> named Robert Henderson or Robert Kenneth Stewart. I had to look it up because I was so angry after I started this. I just called him POG, piece of garbage, oh, okay. throughout my entire, <laughs> all I mean, of my notes. <laughs> good good for you for calling him a piece of garbage instead of a piece of shit. That's normally where my mind goes. Well, I was thinking about that, but I, you know, like but I said. But you, you... You refrain from cursing. I'm trying. I, I messed up a couple of times. So. And I leave them in there every time because it makes me really happy. I know. And everyone who knows me knows I swear like a sailor. I just, you know, I feel like, I don't know. Anyway, so I'm going to start off because we have talked about just how angry sometimes we get with some of the excuses that murderers use to try, you know, and not that some like mental health, that's a legitimate thing. Very often when it's used in these murder cases, it's not. Exactly. It's an excuse. You know, people who have suffered horrific abuse in their lives, that leaves damage. That does things. Doesn't turn you into a murderer. Sorry. That's a choice. Um, and then we've often talked about our frustration with a lot of drug laws, especially in terms of marijuana. You know, that's often used as some sort of an excuse. Yeah. 
Well, this case is going to deal with some legal drugs that I'll get to in a minute or later on in the case that are also good. It's also going to make you really angry. Sweet. So, <clears throat> yeah. Super fun. So, and this case fits into my recent rants against domestic violence. Which we've had a lot of these discussions lately. We, we have. And it just, it, it, I guess because it doesn't get solved. Do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. we keep, you know, I, I think we've had so many of these cases that directly tie into this. And it's like, if we would just freaking do something real and meaningful with domestic abusers, I feel like we could maybe, yeah, and prevent some of this other garbage that we're talking about. Yeah. So I also wanted, and I know I sent you a link a couple weeks ago, but for all of our listeners on Facebook, there's a fabulous page. It was started by a woman named Dawn Wilcox. She's an RN, a nurse, and she's also a domestic abuse survivor and sexual assault survivor herself. And so a few years ago, I guess she's in uh, 2017, she started this page called Women Count USA. And she focuses on covering domestic abuse murders, basically. That's what she mostly focuses on. She does focus on some other things. And the thing that's amazing, and she does such a brilliant job of exposing this, is the ridiculous way that they are so often portrayed in the media. So yeah. I really encourage, uh, you know, as many people as can to get out there, like her page. She deserves a lot of support for she what is she's a, doing. She is a fantastic advocate for these people. Mm -hmm. And it helps a lot that she has gone, sadly, that she has also gone through it. But yeah. I feel like the best advocates have. Yes. And this also, oddly enough, this wasn't planned, but it also fit in with my case today because my case also centers around another woman who was a nurse, who was a dom domestic abuse survivor, and she's also plays a very pivotal role in my case today. So... Like I said, this is another one of those cases where you had a string of red flags that if we just dealt with domestic abusers the way that we should, lock their asses up and get them into serious therapy and do something to try to, you know, prevent it instead of just saying to women, oh, here's a piece of paper, good luck, honey, Yeah, kind of bullshit. I think on the other side of it, too, it's hard because I feel like most domestic abusers are very good at hiding it. I do too. So it's, I think it'd be hard, especially like sending them to therapy because then they can act like everything's fine. But what I'm saying is the reason I think so many of them are so good at hiding it is we as a society make it so damn easy yeah. for them to hide it. We make it so difficult for their victims. And so often when victims do come forward, like I said, what we do about it is just so menial that yeah. it's frustrating. Yeah. Okay. Continue. Sorry. Like I said, I got really, <laughs> really intense about this case. And Part of it is because, you know, we've already talked about how much I hate cases involving children. Yes. That they are very upsetting. Yes. This one is equally upsetting because the majority of our victims were patients in a nursing home. Okay. So, this monster killed eight people in a nursing home. 
a 39-year-old nurse named Jerry Avant Jr., who was a freaking hero, and I'll talk about him a little bit more later. The other seven people, two of them were sitting in wheelchairs, and the others were all still in bed as he walked through the halls of this nursing home and murdered them. Okay. Yeah. I, w- I was going to ask how, but I feel like you're going to get he, Yeah, he shot them. Okay. He walked through with a gun. Okay. Which, again, fucking domestic abuser has guns. Figure it out, people. His victims are Louise Deckler, 98, Lillian Dunn, 89, Tessie Garner, 75, John Walter Goldston, 78, Bessie Hedrick, 78, Margaret Johnson, 89, and John Vernon Musser, 88. So like I said, this guy is the scumbag of scumbags. Yeah. You know, so there's, I I don't care. And like I said, we'll get into the excuses his defense tried to make for him. There, there are are no excuses for this. And it, and it goes back into the Lisa Donlin case that we talked about. Like, I understand that these people have jobs to do, but I still can't fully comprehend how someone chooses to do a job where you know you're going to be defending scumbags. Right. It's really hard for me to fully like wrap my head around. Oh, me too. Me too. And especially in a case like this where you know he did it. Why the hell are you making excuses for him? You know, this whole idea, and this is what pisses me off about our legal system. I get that, you know, sometimes there's doubt or do you know what I mean? Like there's a legitimate reason to, to the, and you know, we, we spent a lot of time a few weeks ago talking about cases that are on the other side of this, where people are locked up and it's so yeah. obvious that they shouldn't be. So anyway, ugh. so the piece of garbage who does this is a 45-year-old scumbag, like I said, named Robert Kenneth Stewart. He's a high school dropout. He had owned his own house painting business, though he declared bankruptcy twice and had been unemployed for the year leading up to this mass murder. He was born in 1963, and I couldn't find much about his early life other than the fact he was a high school dropout. And he did get married at the age of 18. That marriage lasted for a few months. So, you know, it's pretty obvious why, given what you're about to hear about him. In 1983, when he's 20, he marries a 17-year-old woman named Wanda Gay Neal. And she is the woman who's the nurse that is going to be at the center of this case. She um, is the person he was trying to kill on March 29th of 2009 when he walked into that nursing home. She was a nurse working there. And so he entered to kill her while she was working. Okay, I'm yeah. sorry. How do you go from having the mindset to kill your wife and you walk in, do you just decide, like, I'm going to kill all of these other random innocent people that I don't know that can't... Ugh. Well, like I said, yeah, and, and really, like I said, you know, other than small children, the most helpless of the helpless. You know, and- people laying in their beds or they're sitting in wheelchairs, you are... The lowest of the low. It just doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't m- me either. I mean, and and there are no excuses for this yeah, at all. No, and it just it just I just don't yeah. understand why you walk in with the mindset of killing this woman, your wife. And oh, I can't find her. Let so me just, let oh. me just start killing all of you people. Yeah, that does. It doesn't. There, 
something's wrong there. That does yeah. not make sense to me at all. Oh, okay. this is going to get worse. Okay. So he and Wanda get married in 1983. They divorce three years later. Okay. Okay. But obviously that's not the end of the story. And at the time, he was described as being, you know, what we often hear in these cases, extremely possessive, very controlling, drinks a lot, obviously has a drinking problem, and a violent temper. Wanda's daughter, and that she, I apparently she had this daughter with somebody else, okay. you know, after their first divorce. Okay. Um, and her old mother say, but they don't have it, they don't think he ever hit her. And that's where I want to point out, so what? Domestic abuse does not require that somebody hit you. Yeah. It's not always physical. Right. And I think that's a very important case to be made as yes, well. Yes, I agree. Yeah. So, like I said, they, they divorce three years, and immediately he marries again, which is another thing. I How the hell do assholes like this keep finding people to just marry them? Right. Right. Because, like I said, he marries Wanda in 1983. They divorce three years later, so 1986. 86. And in 1986, he marries a woman named Sue Griffin. How old was she? Do we know? Uh, I did not have her age, no. I'm wondering if it's just if he is able to... Manipulate? Manipulate younger girls because Wanda was 17 when they got married, correct? And he was 20. And so I'm wondering if he is just able to woo them enough to talk them into being like, oh, we're so in love, let's go get married. And we do hear with, you know, abusers that they are very good initially at being very romantic yep. and sweeping you off your feet mm -hmm. and all of that stuff. So Sue... He and Sue also do not have a happy marriage, although it lasts for 15 years. Jesus. So okay. Sue is obviously one of these women who gets trapped in that cycle of abuse for a very long time. And almost from the get-go, she says that he was constantly comparing her to Wanda, saying things that that's not how Wanda would do it or, you know, that sort of a thing. And... He manages, during the, their 15 years together, he serves six years in the National Guard, but he never ri rises above the rank of private. And he eventually gets an honorable discharge, which, you know, Ugh. yeah. Ugh. Um, he joins a local hunt club, and but in 19... He's got this horrible temper. From the get-go, it seems like almost nobody at the hunt club really liked him because he was such a nasty human being. And he was eventually kicked out after he threatened one of the founders. He said he would, quote, cut his guts out. On the Women's Count USA page. And... It ties in with his military background because I saw... Oh, I know what you're talking about. The post she made about the fact that the military doesn't follow their own rules... When it comes to domestic when violence. When they're prosecuting domestic yep. violence. And we talked about, you know, previously too when we were talking about gun laws and, you know, using domestic abuse as an excuse to take away guns that 40% of the nation's police force would be unarmed. Yeah. And, you know, but again, we, we have to do something about this. I think it's 
it sucks that our military is willing to, or they're willing to cover up for other military members because they're military. Right. Well, and we also know that uh, sexual assaults in mm-hmm. the military are a huge problem and, again, have been on the rise. Prosecution is not handled well there. But we're going to kick out people who are transsexual. I mean, again, the idiocy behind some of this stuff just <clears throat> yeah, makes I, me... I, yeah. We, there's a lot in not only just, like, our society's mm-hmm. system, but, like, even in... The military system. Mm-hmm. There's so many things that need fixed. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, I'm in <laughs> no place to start fixing things, but like it needs to be fixed. Right. Well, and that's my point is like, here's this hunt club, you know, and they're like, no, dude, you're out. Like you, you're horrible. Bye-bye. And yet all of these other, you know, societal organizations that we have refuse to take that line with people like this. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's also what drives me nuts. So after, you know, these events in 2001, Sue Griffin had finally had it with him and she does finally divorce him. Good. Again, almost immediately after the divorce, he's back after Wanda. um, And of course does, you know, that whole cycle of abuse thing promises he's going to change, he's going to stop drinking, things will be different this time, baby, I'm going to treat you right. Guys, word of advice, they don't change. Amen. And they'll never change. No, if they haven't been to some really intensive therapy and you don't have the word of a, a very qualified and trustworthy therapist, that yeah, they've made some progress, don't go back. They're not. Stay they, away. They're not going to change. Don't. Don't let it keep happening. Right. And if only Wanda had had that advice. Because in June of 2002... She married him again, didn't she? She marries him. And, you know, I actually had written in my notes, did he change? No. But you kind of beat me to the punch there. They never change. Right. And again, it's the same thing. He won't let her go anywhere alone. That very controlling behavior... And basically all of the old garbage is back. The drinking, you know, the abuse. Like we said, he um, had been unemployed for a year, you know, went through bankruptcies, all of that stuff. And three weeks prior to the murders, which happened on March 29th of 2009, Wanda has finally had it when he holds a gun to her head and threatens to kill her. So this is what finally convinces her, I'm out. Yeah. So she leaves, and he immediately starts a cycle of calling her family constantly, even at like 2 and 3 a.m. in the morning, and he would make a claim, oh, there's an emergency, I have to see Wanda, I have to get a hold of Wanda, or I have to talk to you guys, sort of a thing. And it seems like her family and she were pretty good about not falling for that. Good. Yes. And I also wish that our listeners could see the eye rolls. Oh, I know. (laughs) There's so many eye rolls (laughs) happening right now. And I think only like my close friends and like my family really (laughs) know what I'm talking about when I say it's a strong eye roll. Right. There's a lot happening right now. Oh, yeah. So, and in addition to calling Wanda and her family constantly, he's doing the same thing to Sue Griffin, the previous wife, 
and he's claiming he has prostate cancer and he's so sick and Ugh. he needs her. And again, yeah, very interesting how good these victimizers are at painting themselves as victims. And this piece of garbage continues on with that. Ugh. So on the morning of the 29th of March, 2009, shortly before 10 a.m., he arrives at the Pine Lake Health and Rehabilitation Hospital Center. It's a 120-bed nursing home in the town of Carthage, North Carolina. Now, it's a 20-minute drive from his house, and I want you to remember that because I'm going to come back to that. Okay. Okay? 20 minutes. 20 minutes. So his wife, Wanda, like we said, is a nurse there, okay? What he doesn't know at the time is that very morning she had been switched to the Alzheimer's floor. Normally, I guess she worked in this other part of the hospital, but she had switched. And that's going to turn out to be good for her. Not good for the patient. No. So at, like I said, just before 10 a.m., and this all happens very quickly too, by the way, he arrives in the parking lot and immediately her car is sitting there. He sees it. He immediately shoots it up, shatters all the windows. And a man named Michael Lee Cotton happened to pull into the parking lot at that same time, and he described the piece of garbage as looking very calm and deliberate as he does this. When he sees Michael Lee Cotton, he just takes aim and fires at his car and hits Cotton in the shoulder. Now, this guy's also a freaking hero because instead of doing what I would have probably done, which is, you know, hit the gas and try to get the hell out of there. I tried to run him over. Or that, yeah. And I don't know, you know, what the logistics were. He runs into the building and warns everybody, hey, there's a shooter. And this is also something that this could have been much worse without Michael Lee Cotton and his heroic efforts because they immediately call, the call lands at the police department right around 10 a.m. So did nobody in the hospital hear gunshots? Well, they were, like I said, they were out in the parking lot. And so I don't know. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, and I'm sure somebody did, but you know how that is. You, You wouldn't think... You think maybe, I don't know, a car misfire. You know what I mean? I think it takes a minute for that to register yeah. for people. I feel like I'm so paranoid yeah. that <laughs> I, the, any any slightest noise that sounds anything like a gunshot, I'm like, uh, people I, are shooting at people. Yeah, I feel like I'm getting there too. But anyway, so he runs in and does that. Carthage, North Carolina must be A, a very, very small town or a very, very sleepy town because there is one officer on duty a 25-year-old named Corporal Justin Garner. He is also awesome. So the piece of garbage leaves his 22 caliber rifle on top of his Jeep and then enters the building with three other firearms. He has a 357 handgun, a 22 Magnum semi-automatic pistol, and a 12-gauge Winchester. So again, remember that, okay? We've got a 20-minute drive, We have four different types of firearms with the appropriate ammo with them because this is going to be important. So he enters the hospital. Now, this is 2009. So they do have a lot of like electronic locks and things like that within the building that hope I'm assuming maybe slowed him down just a little bit. But he enters and of course he's looking for Wanda assuming she's probably working in the same area where she used to. 
she had heard the gunshots and had immediately run into a locked and passcode protected bathroom where she hid. And I have to say, I do not blame her. And thank God she had the time and the ability to do this. Um, so as he's walking through and he can't find her, he just starts shooting patients. And like you said, why, why the hell would you do that? Why the hell would you have done any of this this way? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, there's something about this that, again, I just, I want to point out, I'm sick and tired of the narrative of these poor men who had such hard lives and things had gone so bad for them and meh, 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 meh. When they are going out of their way to be as horrific, I mean, these are terrorists, they're terrorists, they're pieces of shit, they're trying to harm and scare as many people as they can to somehow, I don't know if they think they're going out in some sort of a blaze of glory or what it is. Yeah, it's it's definitely strange because if he, I feel like if he wanted to kill her, he could have gone about it differently in a different way. Yeah, like wait, wait by her car till she gets off her shift. Yeah. Or do you know what I mean? There's, like, I, I still just don't understand what, unless he had to have had some like need inside of him to kill. Well, and all, when he couldn't find her, he took whoever he could. All of these mass murderers, and I've covered a few of them now. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? There is something, and I know people get sick and tired of hearing about white male privilege or male privilege, but I'm sorry. There's a mentality here. There is a level of egotistical evil that you feel like somehow you are the center of the universe and you have the right to do this to other people is just, there, there is something, I'm sorry, it's inherently evil and it is the very definition of privilege, you yeah. know? So, and it's disgusting. It is. It's horrific. So as he starts walking down the hall and he's shooting people, it, our nurse hero, Jerry Avant Jr. sees this. He is trying his best to move and shelter patients to get them out of this dude's way, you know, the best he can. And so, of course, the POS goes after him, and he is finally cornered. He was shot at least twice, and he did live long enough to be taken to the hospital, but he died in surgery, unfortunately. Sad. But again, he managed to slow this, this bastard down enough that our third hero of the morning, 25-year-old Corporal Justin Garner, has managed to arrive and he's there around 10.05. So all of this has taken place in around a five minute period. I yeah. mean, it starts right before 10 a.m. The phone call is made at 10 a.m. and it's 10.05 and he's there. And what's amazing about him, like I said, he's the only officer on duty. He rushes into the building toward where he can hear gunshots. By himself. By himself to confront the gunman. And I'm, you know, that is, that's a level of bravery and heroism that I also feel like needs to be honored. Do yeah, you know what I mean? we, and we've talked a little bit about the fact that we do, most of our policemen, in police women, they want, they're, 
There are a lot of them who are great, decent people trying to do the right thing. Yes, and then there are, we have talked about the fact that there are a lot of them who go into this profession because it gives them the authority and stuff to do bad things, but this man seems to be... Yes, he's, and he's 25. I mean, you know, yeah. young. Yeah, I mean, at, the, at my stage of life, he's a baby, you know? There's so. no, because I'm 25, there's no way I'm running into a building no. with some, no. And what's even more amazing is when he does finally, he, he comes face to face with this guy pretty quickly. He stops and says, you know, drop your weapon, drop your weapon. He's following protocol. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He's not just Clint Eastwooding it, you know? And he ends up getting shot in the thigh. And as soon as he's shot, he takes off around, ends up shooting uh, Stuart in the in the chest. Unfortunately, he survives and does not no. die, as I wish he had. Um, and here's where the rage is going to come in for you. Okay. So other than the fact that this dude survives, and thankfully, so does Corporal Justin Garner. He's taken to the hospital. His femur was broken by the bullet. Oof. And I don't know how much people know, but breaking your thigh bone is like one of the worst and most painful injuries you can have because your femur is probably the strongest bone in your think, body. Yeah. And the healing process is very long and intense. So here's where your rage is going to come. I'm ready. And I don't have my phone in my hand today, so I'm not going to throw it. What do you think this dude was found guilty of? I'm getting a look, listeners, a long, disgusted look. While she's covering her paper yes. so I can't see. Oh, God. I don't know. I, oh, I don't know. You ready for this, listeners? No. Kaylin? No. Second degree murder, which takes the death penalty off the table. He does end up with a sentence of a minimum of 141 and a maximum of 179 years. So he's that's that's so the prison sentence is at least going to keep him locked up. Okay. But How, mm, go now, ahead. Okay. So now I know why you tell me these, to remember these things. They somehow convinced a jury that this was not premeditated when he drove 20 minutes to get there and had four different weapons with the right ammo. Mm -hmm. And they the. The jury was like, meh, it wasn't premeditated. Well, and guess what they claim? Oh, God. It was Ambien's fault. Do you remember what Ambien was or is? Ambien is a drug that was prescribed for sleep problems. And then there were a lot of stories that started to come out that people were sleepwalking, sleep eating, sleep driving <laughs> while on Ambien. And he had been taking it for two years. So that is what his defense team put forward was, oh, he was on Ambien. So it, he didn't know what he was doing. It took two years for this Ambien to suddenly make him a well, sleepwalker? One source that I read said he took six pills. Now, one said he took six pills the night before, and another said he took them that morning. I don't care. Do you know what I mean? Like, here's my thing about drug defenses like this. I don't care that you snorted 40 kilos of coke before you went out and murdered somebody. You snorted the 40 kilos of coke to give yourself, do you know what I mean, The to, to get yourself pumped up for it or whatever. You knew, and even if 
you did you knew that that act was wrong. Does that make sense what I'm saying yes, there? Yes, it does. And so same thing with this damn Ambien. That's he did that to it's kind of like yeah. drinking. Yeah. It's a liquid courage. Exact. There's the word. Only this is pill courage, I guess. So, and they even had a toxicologist who testified about a candy store owner who on Ambien woke up, or he didn't wake up, sorry, in his sleep, drove to his own shop, unlocked it, and gorged on candy, which is a great story in and of itself. It doesn't excuse frickin' murder. Oh, my God. And still, how... How is this even a defense if he's been taking it for two years? Exactly. And like I said, he drove 20 minutes to get there. He took four guns, three of which had been in a locked gun safe. So he had to get them out. He had to get all of the proper ammo for each of the individual firearms. When he arrived at the uh, nursing home, he had the wherewithal to immediately recognize his wife's car, to target the man, Michael Lee Cotton, who drove into the... He says, look, none of that. None of that makes sense to me. And I can't believe that a jury bought it for even a millisecond. And again, it just pisses me off because it's one more of these bastards who have this long, long history. I mean, he, we know he has a history of abuse going back to... At least when he's 20, right? Yeah. That's the first time he marries Wanda. So, you know, 25 years that he's been doing this, but you're going to let him off because he took Ambien. You're right. This did piss me off. I, like I said, you can tell I am just freaking out. The other stuff that they had or evidence that they had against him, they found a number of letters and notes that he had written in days prior to March 29th that also showed he was thinking about killing and violence. There was a journal entry eight days prior. So this that would have been March 21st. He wrote about suicide and then again in his journal was still claiming he thought he had prostate cancer. I don't know what his fixation with that was. And this is a direct quote from his journal. I thought about taking a lot of people with me, but I don't care to do that. I do not understand how a jury said that this was not premeditated. I don't either. It makes no sense to me. I don't either. You know, that they were obviously going out of their way to let him off in some, to, to make an excuse for him. But why? I don't, oh, this makes me so mad. I, I am with you. And then the last bit of information I could find about the this guy is that in 2015, he sued the Moore County Sheriff's Office and the First Health of the Carolinas, claiming that he was denied medical treatment and that his test results had been destroyed. This was a handwritten case, so obviously he did it himself. That was all I could find on it. And frankly, that's all I ever want to hear about this guy, except that he's dead. Mm. Yeah, sorry. This, like I said, this was a another of my rage-inducing cases. 
I think this is the one that's made me the most angry. I think so too. I don't think, and I don't know if we're just riding a wave of righteous indignation <laughs> these days, but I think, like I said, I keep coming back to this core of domestic abuse and over and over and over again. And then there was this case just recently, I want to say it was up in Chicago where the five-year-old disappeared. Did we talk about this already? Not really. There was a little boy who disappeared and his parents, of course, were like, oh, we don't know where he is. And when they brought in the dogs, the dogs were like, he never left, he never left this property. And of course, they found his tiny little body in a shallow grave. And these two people had mile-long history of beating this child. Mm -hmm. And it had been documented over... And, and that's the other thing about... Because, of course, I think child abuse and domestic abuse... Are hand in, they it's, go hand It's hand very, hand very hand. difficult yeah. to, to separate them from each other. And this bullshit about keeping children with abusive parents has got to stop. I agree. We did talk about this when we discussed a little bit of the um, Joshua... Not Joshua. Yeah. What was his last name? I don't know. You're so much better at remembering the names. I just remember my rage. And so that case set me off. And this woman, Count USA, just reading so many of these posts and the ridiculous way that they are worded to kind of excuse or lessen what... Not it's not always men. I understand women are are often. I mean, especially with child abuse, are mm -hmm. very very guilty, and in domestic abuse as well. Mm -hmm. You know, women are also very guilty of that. But more often than not, just statistically, it's you know male on female, and of course it happens in LGBTQ relationships as well. I don't want to lessen or ignore any of those things, but just the way. Even in the media, and I don't know if it's conscious, I have a feeling it's probably not, there's always this way of wording things to lessen it or to let these people off the hook. And, and I, it has to stop. I definitely agree with you, especially with things in the media, because you, I see these things all the time of people romanticizing shitty situations. Mm -hmm. And for like, just for like the best example that comes to my head right now is when Suicide Squad came out and everybody's all about this Harley Quinn and Joker and how they're the perfect couple and blah, blah, blah. No, they were a terrible, exactly. toxic, abusive couple. There's no reason to be romanticizing that. No. Yeah. Like know your, know your background before you start romanticizing these things. And people in, especially in the media, there's so much that talks about how great people are when they're like being possessive and stuff like that. Like, no, that's abuse. Right. Stop. And stop making other people think that that's okay. Mm -hmm. Because you've got this younger generation that is going to see all of these things and they're going to think that this is okay. It's not. Well, and again, that's back not to, a healthy relationship. Back to my patriarchy is evil you know, <laughs> drumbeat, <laughs> because look at the thousands of years of cultures that have done this, that have said, that have basically told men, you own your women and your children. They are property. It is your responsibility to quote unquote, make sure they behave, that they follow societal norms. And if they don't, you can do whatever you want to them. 
yeah and it's I've seen it a lot lately even being flipped to where it's the women who are keeping their men on a leash and shit like that because and right. they call it feminism that's not feminism that's not feminism you can't unbuild the master's house with the master's tool. I believe it was Audre Lorde who said that. And her point is, you can't decry sexism and then just flip the script. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And have women treating men in the same way that men have been treating women. you got to build a whole new house. you got to start from the ground up. New rules. Everybody is mutually respected and treated with dignity and all of those things that we claim we value. Yeah. That is what feminism is. And I think that that's the biggest thing because I, I see it so often with as big as feminism has become in the media lately. And I think that's a big thing that people don't understand. Well, I think it's a way of villainizing feminism. I think very often people use the feminist label they know that that's not what this is. I also they know that's not what true feminists believe, but they like to slap it on there just to get people so outraged. I also think that maybe there's a lot of uneducated people out there putting stupid shit on the internet. Oh, yeah. And... You think? <laughs> and so it's... You've got these people who are thinking that women flipping the script and are then classifying themselves as crazy mm -hmm. to keep their men in line when in reality and then calling it feminism it's like no you don't know what you're talking about no. and that's not healthy no matter which way it goes whether it's a woman or a man or both mm -hmm. it's not healthy well i think it who is it is it um oh gosh darn it the the famous country and western song you know where she you know carves her names oh. into his leather seats. What's before, before He Cheats by it, Carrie Underwood. Thank you. I could not think of her name to save my life. You know, that song right there is, you know, and you have all of these people go, oh, yeah, that's what I would do. That's such a... No. Like, it's, it's a song, and it's a great little song, and it's fun to sing to or whatever. That's not a proper life choice. That's not what that's supposed to be. She tends to come out with a few of those, actually. Because <laughs> so, that's not her only one where she talks I know, about. Yeah. And like I said, that makes for great art. It makes for great literature to have these, you know, overly dramatic things. And then your responses to them, that's not the way you're supposed to live your life. And until people start realizing that, we're not going to get better as a culture. Yep. I feel like it just, it keeps coming back to education. Which I'm failing miserably out. We're not even going to talk about it. So yeah, it's the it's, end of the year. This is why I come home and curl into the fetal position. So it's this, yeah, this case pissed me off. I I'm think, sorry. I think it's the one that you've done that's pissed me off the most. So sorry. that's fun. Yeah. Uh, success. <laughs> so um, this one went really long too. Wow. It did. It was, it's a pretty yeah. good one. So thank you very much for listening again. Big shout out to Cassandra and Cheryl for being such wonderful supporters and right. giving us a giggle. And uh, we'll go back and look at those things to soothe our, our frazzled nerves. <laughs> yeah. And we'll be returning to North Carolina on Thursday with Kaylin's case, which I'm excited about. We actually took a, a bit of a twist this time because normally I do the newer cases and you normally do the older cases, and I, you did a newer case-ish, because 09, yeah. fairly yeah. Oh, early, yeah. and I am doing a fairly old case, 
So we've kind of flipped the script a little bit, but I'm excited. Me too. So make sure you like us on Facebook, join our discussion group, and come chit-chat with us and yell at us if you want to discuss things. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And if you are listening on an Apple product, make sure you rate and review us. That would be great. (laughs) And until Thursday. Thanks for listening.